Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 55, as in Sammy Hagar can't drive 55. Check him out, kids, if you want to rock out a little bit. Also with his days at Van Halen, and who can forget with power trio Montrose. We have a great program for you here today, as we'll be joined by one of the excellent soccer content creators on YouTube, the Yank Report, Sam Stokes. Good kid from Louisiana. We'll have a nice chit-chat about all things, including a really nice conversation about Christian Pulisic. Stick by for that. No stoppage time this week. We will cover all the the main ingredients from the past week in that conversation. And we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl here ahead. As always, do encourage you to share Rate, review. We did get some more reviews. Keep them coming. It makes a huge difference so that this podcast can gain a larger audience. I appreciate all of you who have been able to tune in. Thank you for that support. We have uh, some Champions League kicking off. We have a little mini preview for that as well. We'll talk about which of the American players will be able to emerge, perhaps, just like Christian Pulisic did as he reached the end with the trophy in his hand. Enough of that. Let's get started. Here we go. We are recording this on the day known as Valentine's Day. I do not celebrate it. Uh, I would encourage you to ignore it as well. It's a money-making scheme to get us out and pay extra. We know you love your significant other, so take them out on a Wednesday or Thursday. Tell them that you love them. We have a... Fun show, the the interview with Sam Stokes of Yank Report, you're really going to enjoy. I love talking to some of this younger generation and see their perspective of the game. It's important, as you've heard me say many times, to reach out and see what people are consuming. See what's important to people who may not be the same demographic as you. But we all like the same stuff, right? Big fans of the U.S. men's national team. We'll talk about Christian Pulisic, who uh, lifted the FIFA Club World Cup. I know my... Good friend Craig Burley on the ESPN Days got a a viral tweet out, which he will stand by, and that's why we love Craig. Craig is what we need much, much more of in the United States with regards to soccer commentary slash punditry. We need people to rattle a few cages. We don't have to be nice and agree all the time. But he said that Chelsea shouldn't have been in Abu Dhabi playing the FIFA Club World Cup They should be in England chasing Manchester City for the title that really matters, the Premier League. And far be it for me to ever minimize how important the Premier League is from the perspective of those in England. It is the biggest league in the world right now. And the way it is moving trajectory-wise, it it has the... Look, if English teams come out and have another All-England final and another All-England final in the Champions League, the Premier League is going to move right up on that bumper. Because if these teams from Spain, Germany, and Italy don't come to play, I mean, the audience is smart. The audience is smart. They will focus on the important stuff, which might be the Premier League. That said, the Champions League still has clout, and Manchester City has not won it. So, I would think that Manchester City would gladly trade places with Chelsea and be in Abu Dhabi defending their Champions League title, which slipped through their fingers and now getting a chance. And we saw the importance for Chelsea and it was good to see Christian Pulisic happy and playing a vital role in that game. That was that was really nice to see because it's, it's, it's a crazy ride. And we talked to Sam about that with Christian Pulisic. And the part about the ride that's so uplifting is that he always he always comes back up at some point. He gets down, but... He picks himself up. He dusts himself off. That's why he's such a compelling figure. And we'll really get into that. You'll really enjoy that conversation coming up here. So we had that. We also had the Super Bowl. Soccer pretty well represented there. Uh, Hannah Waddingham of Ted Lasso. You know, Ted Lasso is a phenomenon. She was in a commercial. Super Bowl commercials are, uh, I think they've run their course they're all trying to get a little too cute. What they do now is you just get these biggest stars and we're supposed to be wowed because we see the cast from Scrubs or Arnold Schwarzenegger as Zeus. Yeah, don't don't I don't care. Maybe you do, but I mean I honestly I was into the halftime show which we'll talk a little bit about. The game was great. Maybe the best NFL playoffs in recent maybe ever. 
outside of the wild card weekend, you didn't have a bad game. And you had arguably the greatest playoff game of all time between the Chiefs and the Bills. So I was watching the game. I was, I grew up, I always loved the Bengals. I felt, I feel bad for the folks in Cincinnati. They deserve some happiness, but congratulations to the LA Rams. And you know, some people in St. Louis are celebrating because they had the Rams for a hot minute and they won the other Rams Super Bowl with Kurt Warner. Anyone see that Kurt Warner movie? I'm just, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can. I'm sorry. Also at half, I mean, we'll get back to the commercials. Strong play by Telemundo. Andres Cantor was screaming the goal call. And I thought it was a really good spot with, because I was going to say during the commercials, I look at my phone and I, I tweet or I'm texting friends who are watching it elsewhere. But when I heard the goal call, my head picked up and uh, I was like, this is cool. You know, Telemundo did a great job four years ago and the Fox has a big job ahead of them to the bilingual community, which I include myself in that, where are they going to watch the World Cup games? And I've always said it about the national broadcasters, whoever have the World Cup, ESPN or NBC. You've got to have a plan to cater to that audience. And I haven't seen it executed well. It's a tough job. But there's things that you can do just to be a little bit more inclusive. So I'm curious to see what Fox does. But I will be watching the World Cup by and large on Telemundo. Not because of Fox is shortcoming that. Just because I like the way it's presented there with some humor and some, uh, you know, great broadcasters, uh, a very wide spectrum, good features, good conversations. I mean, they're doing that at Fox as well, but I just, I just want to see them raise it a bit because I think they can. They certainly can, and they know they can, and they will see what, what, what comes out here next time. So that was interesting as well, the halftime show everyone's talking about. And uh, I'm a Monday morning quarterback, everyone talking about Snoop Dogg taking a hit from a, what looked like a joint. He tried to hide it too, which was like really, I know it's just very tender. He's like, I'm on here. I'm hiding behind the wall. I'm gonna take a quick drag before I get out there. I will tell you this, man. I know a lot of guys that partake and uh, it could be a performance enhancer. Many people think you smoke marijuana and then you crawl in a hole and you sit on your couch. I, can, I have a lot of people say uh, quite the otherwise, that it, it helps them at the gym, helps them with clarity. I know this sounds crazy, but it certainly helps Snoop Dogg perform because he knocked it out of the park. That was the best part of the halftime show. The enthusiasm from Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, they look like when you're doing something, whether it's calling a soccer game, concert, what you have to convey is you have to show that there is no place you would rather be than right there. And those two gentlemen did that in buckets. Mary J. Blige, 50 Cent. Kendrick Kendrick was good, a good show, but I just... I just wish a different song. And he didn't look, didn't look like he was in the happiest place on earth, like Dre and Snoop, but that's him. Kendrick is arguably the, the most talented in the game when it comes to rapping. I'm not an expert on that. I loved it. I love the LA theme, living in the city and... Sharing it. I get so proud. I'm from Miami, but I, I'm a Los Angelino. If there was a war of the cities, I'm representing LA on the front lines with my brothers and sisters from this great place. But that halftime show, I'm getting back to, I mean, Snoop Dogg obviously needed that to get over the hump, but why are people outraged? Like surprised that Snoop Dogg will smoke weed and there's this so-fi book of etiquette about you things you can't do. Yeah, you can't light up there. and It's Snoop Dogg. And by the way, have you ever... I've had the good fortune of being in many luxury suites during some games. There's some, uh, there's some interesting things happening in bathrooms up there and that you would be a thousand times worse than what Snoop did. I can assure you it was happening. These are A-list celebrities. They're having a good time. I won't get into the specifics, but use your imagination. There's a lot certainly there. Oh, another thing about... <laughs> Serena Williams is the greatest. She is on every commercial. But when she does this commercial, she's not there to act. She's Serena. She walks in, hits a ball, walks out, gets her check. Serena Williams is not here to do the method, Stanislavski method. She is here because she's Serena. And everyone wants to see her. She is arguably, I don't want to keep using the word arguably. I don't know if you could say it with her. She is the most significant female athlete I can remember. 
is there really anyone even in her stratosphere? I don't want to dismiss anyone, but that is incredible. So she's going to continue to do that. And people love Serena. I love Serena. Loved watching her play. And then the commercials, she just, she's the same. She just, just poker faced in and out. Love it. Love it. Exciting time here. We have the Champions League. I can't give you a prediction because we don't know what the quarterfinals are going to look like. Games on Tuesday, PSG, Real Madrid. That's about as good a round of 16 game as you could imagine. You always look for the games that you say could be a final. That could be a final. Even though Real Madrid not playing great. They do have Kareem Benzema back. PSG are playing well. I wonder if they can get on that run. I'm not going to pick them to go far because they have Real Madrid in the round of 16. It's just not realistic. But man. PSG are looking good at the right time. Messi feels and looks more comfortable. You have Sporting of Portugal, Lisbon, taking on Manchester City. Can we pick Manchester City again? I just can't. There's a dysfunctional part of the competition there. And getting back to the discussion about Craig Burley and City, is like, City, yeah, the Premier League and Pep Guardiola said that's the priority. When you've won it, you have to challenge yourself to win the Champions League. You've got to win trophies you don't have. The Champions League and the FIFA Club World Cup. Important. So Manchester City winning the Champions League is essential. It's not essential, but it's it's keeping Pep and the players up at night. They want to finally finish the job. I just don't see if they're a favorite. Bayern Munich coming off a bad loss, taking on Red Bull Salzburg and Brendan Aronson. We'll talk with Sam about the five Americans that are in the round of 16. We'll also talk about the... Teams in uh, the Europa League, Borussia Dortmund, Leipzig, they are all on there looking to break through. Dortmund plays Rangers on the 17th. Barcelona and Sergio Des. Sergio Des played 90 minutes this weekend in that comeback from Espanyol. That was, oh, Espanyol. Man, could have been a result for the ages. Let them off the hook. They take on Napoli. Leipzig, Sociedad. I think of all the Americans, Borussia Dortmund have the best chance. I think they could probably win the Europa League and hopefully Gio Reyna is a big part of it. That would be very cool. We talked a little bit about the U.S. players abroad. Uh, Gio Reyna didn't play. He was ill. That was a disappointing after he came back a week earlier. George Bello got some minutes. Joe Scally came in on stoppage time. It's He looks like he's on the outside looking in, which I told you first here. Ricardo Pepe still can't score. Came in, played 27 minutes for Augsburg. They lost to Joe Scally and Mönchengladbach. So there's a, it's a mixed bag as it always is, but there's so much to talk about. That's why podcasts like mine are essential because there's news that we can share. So we'll get all to that. Make sure you check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We will preview the Americans in the Champions League and get a little bit more in depth with who can get where. As always, great to have you. No stoppage time this week again. Just a reminder, so we will get to the interview coming up now with Sam Stokes of the Yank Report. Let's go. We are back here on the Soccer OG time now for the business end. And uh, great to be joined here by Sam Stokes, the uh, the man behind Yank Report. Had a chance to join him on YouTube. So we're reversing roles here. Happy Valentine's Day, Sam, as we're recording this post-Super Bowl. Oh. Hey, happy Valentine's Day to you as well, Max. <laughs> do you have a significant other? Any plans? I do have some plans tonight, yes. Yeah, I'm just going to be cooking dinner. Oh, there you go. That's nice. I told my wife we could go out the day before or the day after Valentine's Day, because I don't want to be inundated with high prices. I, I sound terrible yeah. here. And big crowds. So she yes. says she understands, but she doesn't. She, I could tell, because if all her friends are going out, I'm not going to win this one, but I, 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 see, I, I, I hold my, my, my heels in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel you. I don't, I don't like going out to restaurants whenever it's like peak time, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not into it. I like to cook too, so... What's your go-to? What's your what's your go-to dish? A go-to? Probably like steak, grilled chicken. I eat healthy, so I cook steak and grilled chicken a lot and just eat it <laughs> with like salads or whatever else. I was at a uh, Super Bowl party where everything was vegan. 
but they didn't tell me until the end. So I enjoyed the food, but I didn't, I, there was something different in the way it tasted. And the guy told me afterwards, like, I think I could get used to this. You ever dabble in that it's beyond steak and chicken? Not really, man. I'm in, I'm in South Louisiana. This is Cajun country. And there's just not a lot of vegans out there. Not a lot of Cajun vegans. There's a, there's a couple, but it's not, I'm, I'm sure it's nothing like in LA. Well, I got to say this before any go any further to have a guy who's consumed with soccer, who covers the sport in South Louisiana <laughs> is as refreshing as it gets. How did you, how is, how is the game in the South doing? Cause we, I know when we talk, we, we mentioned guys like Chris Richards coming out of Alabama, Tanner Tessman, these guys, but it's much bigger than we, we could ever imagine. I would think. Well, it's, it's, it's all about opportunity, man. I mean, there's, there are tons of people playing the sport in this area and, and in the deep South. It's just, it's always been about how do you go from being uh, a good young player to being a professional. And uh, for a long time, that path just wasn't available. And you can see that reflected in like uh, MLS players. You know, you compare how many MLS players come from Texas, Florida, New York, California, Seattle, as opposed to Louisiana, Alabama. Georgia now is getting better, but like Mississippi, Arkansas, like these places just didn't have opportunities for players to um, to go uh, too far. But now it's it's uh, it's getting better. There's like um, there's like a Houston Dynamo Academy in my hometown and, and a lot of the MLS academies have expanded and there are opportunities for players that just uh, weren't around uh, whenever I was coming up. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm yet to see. I always check to see if there's an MLS player from Louisiana. Uh, I know uh, we have Patrick one? Mullins. Patrick, Patrick Mullins is from New Orleans. Was was the only one for a long time. Uh, so I'm hoping to see more of that in the future. We know how many athletes that not just Louisiana but Alabama, Mississippi, like put out in other sports uh, compared to uh, the amount of people that are in these states to the amount of people that we put in the NFL and the NBA and stuff like that. I mean, it's crazy. So yeah, if we could ever. That's 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 like one of the the final frontiers for soccer in this country is to penetrate the deep south. It's happening. But think about it. Well, I, I was I was thinking of Southern guys. Clint Mathis was from Georgia. Walker Zimmerman's from Georgia. We mentioned some Alabama guys. We got to get Louisiana up for sure. Are you close to Thibodeau? Uh, I mean, close relatively. That's uh probably a two hour drive. Okay, I had a friend who went to school down there, and he 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 loved it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And I love the South, man. And I went to Florida State, and a lot of times on the weekends, we would do road trips. I played for the Florida State Rugby Club, so we would all pack into a car and we'd go to Mobile or uh, New Orleans, you name it. And I, I really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people who are not from there have their guard up, but it is it is charming, an incredible history, great people, and uh, a lot of stuff to do. By the way, I was into. I remember I did it. This is how this is how deep I am into the South, Sam. I did a tour. <laughs> I did a tour of the, the Trojan condom factory. I don't know why. It was just there. We we're in Dothan, Alabama. And I asked the guy, hey, what can we do? He goes, well, why don't you go check out the factory? It's an interesting tour. I go, I will do that. And I did. So I saw I they no made condoms. I had no idea that existed. <laughs> Neither did I. Neither did I. Spring back. It's coming down the memories. I wanted to talk to you about, uh, how, how did this start with, I mean, I told you off the air, I'm, Really impressed. And I had tactical manager Philippe on here. What you guys are doing and the Yank Report, which is on YouTube, check it out. And check, he's, you're also great on Twitter, man, is this young audience of soccer fans, particularly U.S. men, where they are consumed. Something happened. The switch was flicked. And everyone wants to have an opinion, has an opinion. People have arguments about things, which is really healthy in sports. It's good everywhere. And guys like you were channeling into it. When did you know this was something that uh, excited you and uh, could build a platform on? Well, I was, I mean, I've been obsessed with soccer or with the national team for a long time. I've, I've been following closely for a very long time. I think the pandemic was the thing that really kind of like pushed the, uh, pushed me out the door towards YouTube. Uh, I, I've always been a big YouTube fan. I've always, you know, been subscribers to different channels rarely soccer usually is other interests but i've always been into youtube as a as a platform and as as a community and like understood youtube and the ins and outs and what it could do uh, i was a big follower of a uh, chelsea fan youtube channel called uh 
uh, George Benson football channel. Um, whenever Christian Pulisic went over to Chelsea, like it was one of the first times where uh, that, that I can recall that you had English, English based fans that were putting out content, you know, like I couldn't follow the German channels, the German Borussia Dortmund channels, whenever Pulisic was at uh, Borussia Dortmund, because I didn't speak German, but whenever he went over to Chelsea, like suddenly that whole world was opened up to me and I, I got into that. And I saw what like the Chelsea fan YouTube channels were doing. And I, I just always thought about like, why isn't there something like this for uh, the U.S. men's national team? Uh, I think it was November of, um, I believe November of 2020, whenever I like actually went through with it. Um, I, I remember I recorded my first video and I never actually put it out because I just hated it. Like it was so bad. Uh, I couldn't put it out. So, but, but I, I still decided to do it. I made another one a few days later and I actually put that one out and uh, nobody watched it, but eventually people started watching the channel and I, I started to get to know like, uh, like Pete and Filippo were putting out content around that time. I mean, they were still relatively small. Like Pete had been around for like a year, but was sitting around, I don't remember exactly, like three or 4,000 subscribers. Filippo had kind of, Filippo had like a six-month head start on me, but he was kind of around there too. Um, and I like uh, Kicking It With Drew was one of the channels I was out there. There just weren't, weren't a lot of channels. Uh, but I think because, like, uh, I think the three of us especially, like Pete, Filippo, and myself, started putting out this content kind of in, in hitting at the same time, it went from being like, I think like if you have one channel that's putting out content, like people can, can kind of tap out, but whenever it starts being a bunch of creators putting out content, it turns into almost like a, like a TV channel right. where almost every day people are getting content. And I think like that helped just grow the whole thing and get people excited about it. And yeah, I mean, the, uh, it, it's, it's really ignited a lot of like, I mean, the Twitter discussion and just everything it's, it's, it's been kind of crazy, but yeah, I've only been doing it for, I don't know, um, 15 months, something like that. And it's, it's, been, it's been a phenomenal ride. And you guys collaborate. And that's great. It's very healthy when you guys, I will say this, and Pete, and Pete, I'm looking forward to, to talking to as well. And, and Filippo do great jobs and very honest with, with everything. But you're, as are you, but your setup, man, professional, clean, very, <laughs> but there's like a, because on YouTube, look, I'm doing here in this this extra room in my house, and and and, and I saw you guys because I was doing it, and I I was getting into YouTube. I loved the outlet. I loved having that conversation because I wanted to talk about it. The U.S. national team just got so interesting, not just because of what's happened historically, but because of these players. These players make it interesting, and uh, you now kind of a foundation stone for that conversation where people are gonna that is going to continue to grow. So. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful outlet. I love YouTube. I was like, I was going on a, just flicking through different channels and it's soccer, it's news, it's politics. It's, it's anything. I mean, last night I watched whatever you want it to be, man. It it can can be so niche. I mean, it's YouTube is just such an awesome platform where you can find exactly what your interest is. They have stuff out there for it. So uh, yeah, just, just having this little niche, this little corner of the, uh, of the YouTube world being like, and it's still super small. I mean, like if you combine all the YouTube, the soccer U.S. men's national team YouTube subscribers together, like we're still less than like a hundred thousand. You know, we're still super small in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but but it is cool to see the community grow. Well, I I will say this: that national networks are watching it because their numbers don't match up to what independent folks are doing here. And it is, it, we're not talking about 100,000 people, but it's things, they grow in that and there's like, it's niche. And collectively, you've got to have the reps. You've got to engage. You've got to answer the questions and connect with these people. And I think that's the best part, but you've got, it has to be, to be very honest as well. Uh, by the way, I was, a couple of nights, I, I did take out my wife for a steak dinner and I, I clicked on best rated steaks. And it's an incredible 10 minute video about the 20 top, chain steakhouses and which ones were the best so you know some was at the top i think the number one was the capital grill based on reviews the number one steak based on price and everything is the delmonico steak at longhorn steakhouse best reviewed steak so i, I know you not have thought that nor i do you have a longhorn near you 
I do. Yeah. I, 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 we have such like a, um, a rich culinary culture in South Louisiana that we have so many, um, uh, like family owned and independent restaurants that I rarely go to corporate restaurants. Uh, so Longhorn's not really in my rotation. Neither uh, me, but-, but I saw that I have to go. Let's, let's do it. We'll, we'll re- we'll come back in a month after having the Delmonico steak at Longhorn and we'll have a review. Okay. All right. Fair That's enough. That's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> the YouTube's great, man, but you have to have things to talk about. And it is a never ending pot right now with U.S. soccer. Just this weekend, for instance, you could talk about Weston McKinney, another uh, incredible performance. Uh, who's playing? George Bello, one after the other coming in and starting to, to, to play the Gio Reyna situation. And Christian Pulisic obviously is the, is the alpha male when it comes to conversations. He's the one that moves the needle. He uh, played in, uh, and it, it's just the Pulisic conversation is, could go in so many directions. Uh, his play at the U.S., his play with Chelsea, where he plays positionally, and this weekend at the uh, FIFA Club World Cup, and listen, winning major trophies, and you know, I, it is it is a major trophy. I know there's a big pushback for people that say it's a made-up tournament. You know, everything has to start. I like it. I would say someone other than the European teams have to win, and Palmeiras was the perfect candidate, and they almost had it, and it got away from them late. Uh, that's going to hurt the tournament big picture because then the European teams will lose interest, but someone needs to, I, I know some teams like Tigres year prior was very close with Bayern Munich. That has to happen, but not to get sidetracked here, but Christian Pulisic wins his trophy. He all season, we've been talking about him and what he's doing with Chelsea and a weird circumstance led to him coming in Mason Mount getting injured Mason Mount, who, you know, is lauded, repeatedly and he's a great player but Christian Pulisic is always under the microscope and Mason Mount to me is gets a bit of a pass he's still an incredible player I'm all over the shop here Sam going I'll get to the question here at some point but Christian Pulisic comes in at the 30 minute mark and plays a really important role the the game changed when he went in there they were in trouble prior to that hasn't taken a set piece all season and then takes them all until Hakeem Zayek comes in and then he takes it but he was a really significant role. And then this, this roller coaster ride of his Chelsea uh, career continues, but it's so compelling. And it's always leaving me to wonder what is next. I, this was a high, so I don't know what's coming. Maybe a low is coming. Is he in the lineup or isn't he? Again, it's just so much around this guy. It's so interesting, Christian Pulisic, man. I, I always think about Christian Pulisic's personality off the field. Like any interview you've ever seen with him, he is just so dry. There's just he he just there's not a lot there. I mean, I've watched him in videos where he's like hanging out with friends, and there's not a lot of personality. Uh, but yet, there's something about this kid that is just so incredibly compelling. Uh, if you think about any iconic image of this national team over the last four or five years, it's a picture of him. It's the picture of him in Kuva whenever he's crying after the team lost. You know, it's the picture of him after he hits the um the penalty against Mexico in the Nations League. Uh, that everybody put on the T-shirts. It's the picture of him with, with the ears against Mexico. With the T-shirt against Mexico. I mean, he is he is so compelling as an athlete for being a guy that just doesn't have much of a personality off the field, at least that that comes through in the media. Uh, it, he is so, so interesting. Now, what I thought um, before the game, the Club World Cup game, he uh, ESPN put out an interview with him where he talked about his national team performances and about how, he felt like he was uh, trying too hard. He, I forget exactly the, the phrase that he used, but um, he, he he was trying to do too much whenever he was on the field. He said and he put himself under to too no much. One. He said he put himself under too much pressure, which was, it was really telling that he would be an open book like that. Yeah, it's something that uh, we, the commentators, have been saying for a, a while now, watching Christian with the national team, that he's trying to do too much and he doesn't have to. He's got the talent around him. He said that in the interview. I thought it was a really interesting piece because uh, it just gave us a window inside his thoughts and like having that realization that he's pressing too much and he needs to play within himself. And then the next time we see him suit up, he goes out against Palmeiras and plays plays a game that we're just... It's not a game that I'm used to with Christian Pulisic. Like, usually whenever he's he's great, it's whenever he's isolated and taking people one-on-one uh, and beating defenders. 
or he's being um, that last man into the box and he's finishing off chances. That's not what we saw against Palmeiras. Palmeiras, he was like a, a, an old school number 10. Yep. He was like, uh, I, I don't know, Kaka or somebody like that, where it, he was it dropping was weird in, to he see. was connecting. He was, you know, spraying passes all over the place. Uh, he was playing with his back to goal. I mean, he was doing this connective, creative role that I'm just not used to seeing from Christian Pulisic. Uh, and he was super effective at it. Uh, so, yeah, once again, I mean, Pulisic finds himself in this space where he's just this compelling guy that puts this conversation. And, you know, we're, we're living uh, the highs and lows with, with, it seems like, every possession that he has. Yeah, he was behind, at one point. You looked at the sh- like almost like an aerial shot. It was Pulisic behind Havertz and Lukaku, and you're like, Eureka! Maybe yeah. that's the maybe that's the thing. What comes out if when Chelsea return, they have returned, and they get back into the Premier League and their Champions League accounts, and they'll have it next week uh, when they will will be they'll be back in action against Lil. Then uh, you have uh, it'd be interesting to see if they imitate that. I I I tend to think he wouldn't. A lot of guys didn't play or feature in that game for Chelsea, but it kind of worked. I'm just, I just, when the next lineup card or even the next time he starts, I'd be curious to see if he is in a similar role. And if Thomas Tuchel, who's, you can't look, the guy continues to get results for Chelsea. I thought they would really hit some speed bumps here, but they're still trading above water, still can defend their champions league crown. And just added another trophy there. You, you struck a really good point about uh, the player that he is, the person that he is, and how much we don't we know or we don't know, and how compelling that is because he seems so mild mannered. You're like, this guy's going to break down. The injury history, the fact that we put so much pressure on him to try and rescue the 2018 World Cup bid. Really, think about it, that that image in. Kuva, you just felt terrible for me because he doesn't deserve this. This was something he tried to salvage. He just came along at that time. And now through this, I get the impression that even though on the exterior he seems indifferent and maybe uh, a little fragile, inside there is something that gives me confidence that it's going to bubble to the surface. Because I, with everything that's happened over the last year, it he... Sh- probably should have taken a, a bigger turn, but he always gives you that little, that little sign of life. Oh yeah, man. I mean, think about it. Whenever he's with the U S men's national team, he's wearing the armband. And uh, the, there was a great piece by sports illustrated that talked about how the national team under Burhalter determines who's the captain. And it's, it's uh, basically team voted uh, basically. So Christian's the guy in the locker room. And in that article from ESPN, they even reference it. Uh, where they say guys like Tyler Adams and Wes McKinney kind of defer to him and look up to him. I mean, there's that great moment uh, a few months ago. I I forget what the occasion was, what what, what exactly they were doing. Um, But the U.S. men's national team had a camp, but Christian Pulisic was playing in the Champions League final. And they had that video of the whole team watching Christian play in the Champions League final. And it sort of gives you a sense of like, what this kid means to these guys. Like, you know, he's one of the guys, but he's also the guy. And to have that at at his age uh, is just incredible. And, and, you know, you think about his life and what he's done to this point where uh, he's, he's, as a kid, he traveled all over the world playing uh, with his dad, playing at these different camps, playing, um, living in different countries for brief periods of time. At 16 years old, he goes to Germany uh, to, to play for, a Borussia Dortmund team that had just played in the Champions League final, a Borussia Dortmund team. I don't know exactly who was there whenever he was there, but uh, Jurgen Klopp was still the coach. And you still had guys like Matt Hummels, Marco Royce, uh, Gundogan was over there. I think Lewandowski might have been there. I don't know exactly when, but like these are giants. These are yeah. giants. These are, pe- these are the people that were in the locker room when Christian Pulisic walked in at 16 years old. And a year later, He's stepping on the field. He's stepping on the field and playing with with Marco Royce and Mats Hummels and and just just these these guys who won a World Cup not too not too long ago. Like this is the kid he is, you know. And then a few years later, uh, after after a, a Dortmund career that was kind of tough, you know, like Usman Dembele comes along, Jaden Sancho comes along, like Pulisic is just continues to be like just the the other guy, like watching all these um, all these guys' careers take off. Uh, he ends up getting that move to Chelsea. And, 
you know, he goes to Chelsea. Roma Abramovich is Chelsea, one of the uh, great Premier League teams known for demanding excellence, known for firing managers. Gets there and uh, after a, a few months, like solidifies himself in that squad, has that remarkable uh, run wherever he came back from the COVID break. I mean, he's he's been through so much and to consider how old he is. And and I just went through all that and didn't talk about the U.S. men's national team. He's had a career, didn't talk man. about <laughs> If he stopped didn't talk tomorrow. about the Copa America whenever he was like 16, 17 years old going up against uh, – who, who did they play? Chile. And like uh, I forget who all they played in that tournament. But like world stars and getting on that field and playing under Jurgen Klinsmann and then going through that qualifying and being an absolute stud in that qualifying – I mean, playing with uh, with uh, Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley and these guys that you know that he watched growing up. Like you, I mean, th- this kid's had had a a tough, tough experience in soccer so far. So like, we know we we hear what we hear in his interviews and stuff, but you know, like underneath that all, there's this this is a different dude. He would never be able to make it this far. That's a great point, Sam. And it's the life he's led would have made so many crumble because I couldn't even imagine it doing that journey. And look, the parents have to be given so much credit to be there along it. Cause it doesn't happen without that. But yeah. for the kid to, who, to push himself, uh, cause the parents can always encourage you, but the, the child has to come out and say that. And like those from 16 to now 23, a career that anyone would take gladly. And, Nobody really from that age group I could think of. And by the way, it's great to see your memories as bad as mine when we start to think of this. I can't. So I'm not going to pretend I'm I'm, going to be wrong on this, but you think of a kid in that same age group. Nobody's had that run anywhere. And I I complete it by saying the club where the Dortmund and all the players he played for, the great coach that he played for, Chelsea, the same situation. And then the national team, where he went from young kid on the squad to leader, captain, uh, and the man given the keys to rescue a program that absolutely hinges in the balance. If they don't qualify for this World Cup, and they're going to qualify for the World Cup, but if they don't qualify for this World Cup, it is cataclysmic. The, the regular soccer observer in this country will go, that's it. I'm not, I'm not going to invest time in this. And you have the World Cup in 2026. I, I don't know if we can emphasize how important this role, this job is. And you need people in the situation that are ready for it. The team that the U.S. has is very inexperienced. To say that these guys from 19 to 22 uh, are up for it, they, they certainly give out that, uh, that, that idea. But it's still a massive job. But Christian Pulisic's the guy leading that way. So he holds the keys for the most critical time in the history of this sport, in my estimation, 2022 to 2026. That's where this sport can pass baseball, can, mm-hmm. can pass, can move up to basketball, and no one's touching American football, but become part of the mainstream and gain more fans and broaden its shoulders to all quarters of this country, Louisiana, Minnesota, California, you name yeah. it. It's, it's, it's a big job. And uh, Christian Pulisic, <laughs> show us the way. And others will, will get up there, and we've seen Weston McKinney take a big role. But it, it feels like it's all been under Pulisic's umbrella. Yeah, I, I always think about the journey that these kids have to make. And, and the funny thing about Pulisic's story is it's not unique in this team. Like, Weston McKinney more or less did all that same stuff. I mean, Weston McKinney walked into a Shaka locker room that had uh, some incredibly impressive players. I believe they were a Champions League team whenever he was there, and they just sort of fell off the cliff after that. Uh, I mean, Tyler Adams did something similar. Tim Weah has a very similar story. Uh, Gio Reyna has a very similar story. Uh, And one thing I always think about when you just talked about the World Cup and, like, the attention that brings and how it reaches all quarters, all corners of this country – if you talk to the people in the general public who don't follow soccer, most of them know who Pulisic is, but he is the star of this national team. He is the one star. A lot of people don't know who Gio Reyna is or who Weston McKinney is, who Tyler Adams is. Maybe they might know a little bit, but they don't know who they are. And these kids are stars, man. Like Weston McKinney is a star. Uh, and I'm really excited about 
this team making the World Cup so like America can be introduced to these people and, and learn about absolutely. who these people are. And it's, I, I think that they're going to just absolutely explode and, and hopefully take a little bit of that pressure off of Christian Pulisic uh, for having to carry this, this team. But uh, I still think that Christian Pulisic is just such a compelling athlete that he's going to be that guy for his whole career. Oh, it's that's, a, that's another great point, Sam. You want America to see these kids because if they do, they will fall in love with them. All of them have exceeded expectations and in every facet, uh, certainly Weston McKinney. And this is the thing I talk to people in, in Europe and I've been told, you know, there's kids in Germany whose favorite player is Christian Pulisic. There's kids in Italy now whose favorite player about everyone is Weston McKinney. They have a Weston McKinney jersey. It doesn't matter yeah. where they're from. So it's already happening. And Gio Reyna, I'm sure, it's a bit interrupted with uh, recent injuries, and he's still, I mean, he's, he's in diapers, his career. But these are guys that are, are getting a, a huge reputation we, we, with these clubs, and it's, that's going to happen in the U.S., but obviously we, are, we sometimes deal with the lowest common denominator when we cover this sport. It always has an uphill battle. That's why they, they have to absolutely make the world cup. I, I think we could talk about Christian Pulisic and the U S men's national team for hours, but we'll, we'll change the topic a little bit because of something that happened this week and to get your thoughts on it. Cause it did. A, it, it, I saw different opinions on it and some Manchester United players were interviewed and talked about Ralph Ragnick. And there was, you know, unhappiness with the way he goes about it. And then it went on to Chris Armis and they compared him to Ted Lasso and, you know, I, I sent out a tweet and I, I found it a very, I, I'm always got my guard up the way the Americans are perceived. I saw it with Bob Bradley when he went to Swansea, a lot of it's, some of it's deserved. Some of it's deserved. There's something about being American in this sport that seems unauthentic. We're still learning. We're still carving out. We defer a lot of times to people from other places to show us, how to get more sophisticated in this sport. At some point, we got to take the reins. And success by guys like Jesse Marsh, if I hope he can get another gig and could show it after his situation at Leipzig. But Chris Armis and this Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is a great show. I enjoyed Ted Lasso. But now I see it being almost weaponized by some of the folks to perceive that. And I, uh, Filippo and I went at it. And he was going, Chris Armis shouldn't have that job. And, and I agree. He got very fortunate to be, it's his Manchester United. This is Manchester United. The reason he's there is Ralph Ragnick trusts him to convey the message to the players. Apparently hasn't worked out as well as we would have liked. But I would say I stick up for Chris when I see that because that is, I don't think these players are doing deep dives on his, his background, what he's done, even though his credentials don't say he should be the number two at Manchester United. So that being said, this to me feels like it wasn't really founded by the players. They just said American, American. That's what it does. That's what it equals. And that was the outcome. How did you see all of that? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first <laughs> of all, so the, compelling stuff. <laughs> the idea of um, of a coach deserving a job or like being qualified for a job is just such a weird discussion to me because we just see coaches get hired for all kinds of reasons, right and left. Like there, there's not really like a um, look at the NFL, like man. A, it's as random as yeah, it gets. Yeah, but even I mean, does was was Ragnick supposed to get that job? I don't know. But then you look at like a, a Frank Lampard getting the job at Chelsea, you know that type of thing. Andre Pirlo getting the job at uh, Juventus. That in those two instances didn't work out really well. But then like a Pep Guardiola, whenever he gets the Barcelona job, that worked out tremendously. You know, like who's to say who deserves what job? I mean, uh, I'm watching, um, gosh, um, Florian Kofeld over at, uh, who's he coaching right now? It's not Werder oh. Bremen, but I watched him at Werder Bremen and he got the team relegated and ends up somehow getting a job at another team that is uh, facing relegation it right now. No, it's Wolfsburg. Yeah. Okay, it yeah. So like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about um, coaching jobs and who deserves what and, and where like that all falls. I, I Ultimately, I think if somebody says you deserve a job, then you deserve a job, you know, and, and we'll kind of find out how you do on that job, uh, it, whether or not you deserve it. And uh, I have a hard enough time trying to figure out if a coach is doing a head coach is doing a good job uh, to like talk about an assistant coach, what they're if they're doing a good job. Like, I, I don't know. That's that's 
that's uh, some inside baseball stuff. But as far as the, the American <laughs> side of things, I mean, I'm a big fan of British culture. I love watching like all the chat shows. Like, I don't know, maybe people know about like, would I lie to you or taskmaster or like a lot of these British Everything British, is a hook. Everything's British is a hook for us. That's why we like the sport. And we, that was always our first point of view. Really? I'm into it, but being into it, I know that the British in particular are not very upset, accepting of anything that isn't British. Like yep. they're always going to look down their nose. That's a stereotype that's been around for a long time. And, and the idea uh, that I see so many people online talk about like the, 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 the English are laughing at us or like the British, like the British making fun of MLS or whatever. It's like, like the British make fun of like the German, like they, they make fun of the Bundesliga. Like they call the Bundesliga a farmer's league. Like yeah. If you're waiting on the British to accept you uh, in order to be validated, you're going to be waiting forever. They don't accept other cultures. That's part of like who they are. Uh, they're very charming people, but that's part of it, man. They look down their noses at everybody else. There's never going to come a time where uh, the U.S. is accepted uh, because the British don't accept anybody. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard a British soccer game where uh, they pronounce like a Hispanic name or something uh, like that. And they don't care if they get it wrong. <laughs> oh, no. I mean... Everybody in the world uh, calls it the new camp, except for the British. They call it Camp New because, like, they have to, uh, they have to Anglicanize everything. Like, that's just part of their yeah. culture. So, I, I, I don't, I don't think too much about uh, the, them calling Chris Armas uh, Ted Lasso or anything like that. The, um, the only thing about it that that I do um, think about is uh, how big of a show Ted Lasso has been and how much of an everyone knows that's had. On, yeah. maybe that's <laughs> on the, the takeaway. <laughs> Yeah, well, and another takeaway is one thing I always talk about is how important it is to get Americans into the uh, Premier League because the Premier League is the biggest English-speaking league in the world. And whenever we have players in the Premier League, we get access to this stuff. Like, we get access to uh, uh, Manchester United players making fun of this assistant American coach. Maybe it was happening for uh, Steve Chirondolo. Uh, over, uh, what was it? Uh, not Hoffenheim. I forgot. Hanover. Hanover. Maybe it was happening whenever he was at Hanover, but it was in German, so we didn't know it. I mean, w some of the biggest um, news about English, uh, about an American player uh, that's come out recently have been these pieces on John Brooks uh, by, um, I, I, for I forget the name of the publication, but it's that big German publication. And we get uh, access build. to it because, yeah, build. We get access to it because You're Derek right. Ray sits there and translates 100%, it to Twitter. 100%. If not for Derek Ray, we would have no idea this is happening. Maybe somebody somewhere would post it and translate it. But because Derek Ray is translating this and putting it out on his Twitter account, that's how we get access to this information. Uh, so, you know, Weston McKinney's playing for Juventus and we get some English stuff. And every now and then we get Italian articles that people are translating. Uh, same thing with Tim Weah over in France. But whenever you're in the Premier League and – all the fan chats are in English and all the, um, the, the, the uh, publications, all the blogs, everything is in English. We get access to this stuff in a way that we don't uh, whenever they're in other countries. Uh, so I do think that this is what you get whenever you uh, are a part of the Premier League as opposed to some other league. We get access to this information. Uh, and I, I think that's a great thing, even if they're calling our, our players Ted La or our coaches Ted Lasso or whatever else. I think that that's an important thing uh, for moving this whole soccer thing forward. Great perspective, man. That is, you, you gotta, you're, you're very right. You gotta hang on to uh, anything you can get. You know, sometimes it's scraps, but they taste good in some, uh, in some way, but it, it, they acknowledge. I don't think you could ever change the way uh, that English perspective, you know, I would see some of their punditry and, uh, you know, was it like Ferran Torres would come over or maybe Reguillon came over and they were like, talk about La Liga and Real Madrid in these circles. Like, well, I don't know if it's ready for the Premier League. I go, well, the plays, classic. Plays for Real Madrid. <laughs> the classic is, can he do it on a rainy night in Stoke? You know, like <laughs> just dismissing all these other leagues and talking about, you know, the toughness uh, of playing in the Premier League on these rainy, cold nights. You know, like it doesn't matter unless you could do it there. And it's just so ridiculous. You know, that's 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 sort of the, the culture in, in a uh, in a very uh, isolated way. But it's just so a ridiculous way to look at the world. Even in your pronunciation, I was watching uh, Spurs Wolves, and I, this is a good place to vent a little bit. But the announcer there kept calling Raul Jimenez Jimenez. He it was, and because he had a man of the match performance, 
his name was said a lot. And I, and I was like laughing because it was like, not even at one point did someone in the truck or someone go, Hey, it's, you're saying it wrong. And I go, no, that's the way it is. We move it's forward. It's so interesting. In, in I, America, I'm so stubborn. I, I, I almost respect it. <laughs> in America, we like uh, our sports broadcasters just care so much about pronouncing players' names correctly that you always hear these stories about like the research that these teams do before they go into calling games. Even if it's just like a Division Three basketball game, whatever. Like the 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 broadcasters take their job so seriously that they're trying to figure out how to actually pronounce these names. And then you get to the top flight of British professional soccer, and they don't care at all. Not at all. Um, it's, and, and it's part of their culture. That's kind of what they do. They have, like, Anglicanized uh, ways of pronouncing things. If there's, like, a Spanish or Indian word or something like that, that's a big part of their culture. They'll just pronounce it as it's, as it's written out, as it would be in English. Uh, that's what they do. But, yeah, it, it always just sounds so funny to me, and it makes it so difficult for me, who's trying to pronounce these words, where I have, like – one pronounce like uh, you listen to the EPL broadcast and you hear like Hakeem Ziyech's name said said so many different ways that I have like how do you say I have no idea how to say it. <laughs> I forget I mean, Brazilian names. I remember I was calling a game at a, the English producer and this guy Grafite, which was pronounced Grafite, or it was pronounced Grafite, but his name was Grafite. So I said Grafite like four times. He kept correcting me, and I go, "No, it's." I talked to the Brazilian consulate. They say it's Grafite. He goes. It's graffiti. I go, all right. And I, I just finally gave in. And I will sometimes with the players' names. Uh, and I've learned this from baseball because I always wanted to really push the Hispanic players. And I've talked to them. And like Felix, Felix, he pitched for the Mariners. His first name was Felix, the king. And I talked to him. I go, hey, uh, why don't you call him Felix? He goes, ah, Felix. I want to make it easier for everyone. And I really appreciate that. And Rude Hulet, when he was working at ESPN, we were, I, I go, how do you want me to pronounce your name? Is it Hulet? He looks at me, he goes, I don't care. I go, is it Hulet? Is it Gulet? He goes, whatever you like. So I was like, okay. So maybe we, I, I get too wound up like many people over this, but I, I always will stick to my guns and pronounce it as correctly as I can. But at the end of the day, if the players had a, a video recording and said, this is my name, I would love that. That would make everyone's life a lot easier. I mean, Pulisic's another one, right? You'd say Pulisic. Pulisic, Pulisic, as I say it, but he came out and said, it's Pulisic. And then we, we should adjust. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. We should, <laughs> we should, this is a show in itself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always appreciate uh, listening to Derek Ray games. Cause he just cares so much about that, that side of things, whether it's the German or like his Portuguese is always good. Like I remember, uh, gosh, what was his name? Raul Morelish. Like he would like say it so well, I can't reproduce those go, sounds. Instead but... of Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes, and then the Brits would yes. lose their marbles. Yes, yes. He, he did. He did. He did the Bochum Bayern game, and he rolled the ch on Bochum one time that it just filled my entire living room. I could feel it. I could feel it under my skin. It was such a Bochum. It was a it was pretty spectacular. Uh, I I'm a dork about that thing. I, I appreciate whenever the commentators are researched and, and care because I watch, I mean, if you get the world feed on like a Serie A game that like nobody really cares about, I mean, you're, you get the feeling that this dude calling the game, like just found out about this assignment and he's got another game to call after this one, you know, and he just doesn't know anything about the players or the teams. And it's just, <laughs> I yeah. appreciate whenever they're able to bring some insight and, and care. And when we talked about Derek, and I, I gotta, I'd love to have him on here soon. Uh, with the pronunciations or whatever, when you look at the meat and potatoes, to me, in the American audience, he's our best English language broadcaster. Uh, I think he's put the time in. He knows it well, and he's called a lot of big games. And he's a, he's a, he's the ultimate professional. I will say, I do like the Americans, though. Yeah. Like whenever MLS first came along, I remember like in the mid '90s that there was this whole thing about how. Uh, uh, soccer in English should be with a British commentator and people rejected anytime there wasn't British commentators. And I feel like in the last 25 years, there's been some really good American commentators come through. Like I, I really like John strong and I really, I think Alexi does a good job. I think Stu Holden does a good job. I think Taylor Twelman does a great job. Of course, yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and they bring, yeah, they bring this Americanness to it that it's more, it feels more like a, um, 
they bring a little bit of what we get from like NFL games or basketball games, which is a lot more like insight from the, uh, the color guy, as opposed to like a British game where there's, they'll, you know, they say stuff like, uh, um, you know, he didn't get a hold of that one or really poor touch there, or, you know, he should have done better with that opportunity. That's like the, the most you're getting from the color guy in a British game. Uh, I appreciate what, what those guys do. And I appreciate that there are American commentators that I look forward to hearing games from now. Uh, but I remember I had an argument with someone because I said kick save during a game. The guy goes, we don't use that. I go, well, we kind of do. And those little Americanisms are really important. So when it comes to broadcasters, you, you could be English or Scottish, but you need to have that American sensibility. And uh, the guys that I, I've talked to and, and work here get it. Arlo White gets it. And he, even though he's in England, he spent time in the United States. He understands about broadcasting to an American audience. Uh, Callum Williams, who does Minnesota, great at that and, and a respect for what is going on in the United States. So you got to have that. Your accent can be a little different. And I, I, we need, we want, I want to build the American voice. And I look forward to seeing these kids that go to school to learn to be broadcasters. And their number one passion is not baseball. It's always yeah. baseball growing up. It's like, no, I want to do soccer. And that's going to happen. It, I know you, whenever I hear you call games, you, you bring a lot of that Hispanic culture like that hispanic um announcer culture in, into what you do uh do, do you think that some of the um the american um uh, sports calling culture kind of flows into what you do or are you, yeah. are you more predominantly with the spanish influence the hispanic influence well the, the guys I, I i really modeled myself after is you know andres cantor and i've said this before if, if i didn't hear him in doing the 1990 world cup the 94 world cup i probably wouldn't have pursued this as a profession that was just my my hook. And then I started getting these Argent. When I worked at Fox, there was this Argentine network called Torneos y Competencias. It was on all the time. And the guy who called the big Argentine games was Marcelo Arajo, very colorful, laced with humor. And I go, that's what I want to do. I want to have fun in the broad. I want to, he almost sang a broadcast. It was like, da, 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 dee. and then you, I, I don't think that translates well, but having that fun in the booth and you know, they, they, they Little things like when they talk about the players, they use their nickname as opposed to their last yeah, name, which drives yeah. people bananas. But I love that because those, or they make up nicknames on yeah. the spot for them and use those nicknames. <laughs> when you talk, when you talk about, uh, uh, when you talk um, to these players in training, they're known as their nickname. Uh, Juan Sebastian Verón, legend, Manchester United, spent it was Estudiantes, great player, incredible midfielder. He was known as La Brujita. No one called him Veron. Everyone called him La Brujita, which was like means the little witch, which is I, I, I should learn some history on it. But that's what the broadcasters would call him. So uh, it's 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 uh, it, just the pronunciations is a show in itself, Sam. We should we should do that again. I want to get your thoughts quickly because the Champions League kicks off. And again, Americans looming large. Who do you think's going to who do you think's going to have a good run here? So I, I, I we have five, five. And then we have some more in the Europa League which there could be an opportunity for Gio Reyna or, or Tyler Adams. But in the uh, Champions League, we obviously have Pulisic. Chelsea taking on Lil. Lil have Tim Weah. Uh, one player playing this week, Wednesday, is Brendan Aronson, who started. Uh, Salzburg taking on Bayern, coming off that loss to Bochum. So maybe there's a little more hope in the Salzburg camp. Then you have Weston McKinney. And then Zach Steffen. And I don't want to undermine what Zach Steffen is, even though we may not play, but maybe he does. Maybe he gets in there and plays an important role there. And it, we should never minimize it. When he got to the final, it was obviously about Pulisic, but uh, an American player, even if he's the backup goalkeeper for a club like City, is huge. I tend to think, and we don't know what the quarterfinal draw is going to look like. Uh, Juventus have Villarreal. I hope that Dusan Vlahovic, I'm, I don't know if he's the answer. i got to see a little bit more. He looks good, but if he can get production and Dybala's interested, Weston McKinney's become such an important player for them. He's so consistent, and he sets up his teammates time and time again. Italian teams haven't done well. I would, I guess my thought would be I would put Weston McKinney as the best guy to possibly make a run. But over the last two weeks, I said there's no way Chelsea's getting through. But – they just find a way. So maybe we'll see Pulisic make another big run. I think those would be the top two for me. I'd love to see yeah, Aronson, well, but I, I don't think that's viable. True. I mean, what, what Chelsea does, what Tuchel's teams do 
that keeps them in games is they don't give up goals. So if you're not giving up goals and you always have an opportunity, it's for them, it's just been about the offensive side of things. And uh, I, I think Chelsea is one of those teams that uh, they improve as the quality that they're playing improves. Uh, I mean, they, they won last year in the champions league and they weren't necessarily like they weren't competing for the, uh, for the premier league. Uh, they were well behind city, uh, but, but they were able to do it because they just play really good defense uh, and if they're able to get a goal on you, they're a tough team to beat. And now that they got Lukaku, uh, if he's interested, which I think he will be, uh, considering playing in the Champions League, uh, they're a threatening team, man. They got they got a lot of scary attack right now with Mason Mount, and Ziyech is playing really well. Uh, I really like Kai Havertz. I mean, that's a that's Chelsea is a, is a fun team to watch. Uh, the Champions League is all is going to be interesting with. Uh, Manchester City and PSG, I mean, these big expensive teams that are just trying to chase that elusive European goal. Uh, can they figure it out? There's no Americans there except for Zach Steppen, but uh, that's that's always the compelling thing, especially with PSG now that they have Neymar and Mbappe uh, and, and Messi and, and just how that all shakes out. Uh, but as far as the Americans, yeah, uh, Weston McKinney's just playing so well right now. Um, Juventus is an interesting club because you watch them play and they just – they seem to dominate games in the middle third of the field, uh, but they're so susceptible to counterattacks, man. Counterattacks just destroy that team. Uh, and they struggle so much at, at getting the ball in the back of the net. And, I mean, Marata's had issues finishing. Dybala is like – Dybala is that player that has a golazo like every five games, but in between it just, just can't get the ball in the back of the net. Like when he does, it's spectacular, but – as far as like the the meat and potatoes type goals, like you just don't see that from them. Weston's been the guy who's been scoring a lot of goals from. Them. They have brought in some reinforcements uh, at Juventus, and I they looked good this weekend, even though they needed a last minute header to um to to actually secure that tie. But yeah, I I, I don't. Whenever you compare Juventus to the teams that I just mentioned, Chelsea and Manchester City and PSG and even Bayern Munich. I don't think that they have the horses to compete with those teams. It seems like there's a bit of a gap, uh, but you know, they, they can make a run. I think they can make a run, especially considering who their first round opponent is. Yeah. And, and Wes McKinney's playing so well right now. I can't wait to watch him play. Do you want to throw a quick pick in there? Who do, who to win the whole thing? Cause we don't know. This is, this is, I want to, I'll, I'll hold you to it, Sam. He's, he's, I can see, I, I'm looking at him now. I feel he's, like he's Bayern Munich. I don't know. Bayern. I want to say PSG, but they uh, the Real Madrid. It's like you can't pick them because they have such a tough game out of the gate. So I almost, if you're making a pick, you'd be crazy to say PSG or Real Madrid. That's lunacy. So you can't pick either one of them, even though right now I'd like to say PSG. But uh, I like right now, it's there's there's so few uh, elite strikers in the world right now. There's so few. So I, I think about what teams have them. Like uh, Chelsea have one in Lukaku and. Bayern, of course, have one in Lewandowski. Maybe you could say Real Madrid have one in Benzema. I think Benzema is like the most disrespected player of his generation. And he's going to play. He's going to play this week. So, yeah, but like Juventus doesn't have one. Juventus doesn't have a guy that can just get a goal out of nowhere. And I think that's what you need to win the Champions League is you need to, you need somebody to just create a goal out of nothing because a lot of these Champions League games at the highest level are just stalemates. You know, it's not like one team has a massive advantage. It's just you know who can take that one little moment and create some magic and score a goal. Uh, so I look at Lewandowski as a player who can do that. Uh, so, and Bayern haven't won in a few years, right? It's been a, it's been a little bit they won the, so. they won the, uh, the, 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 the COVID champions league, the abbreviated okay. one in Lisbon, yeah. which is, that's what I love. This is, this is what I'm curious about. The premier league is the King. Now the champions league was Real Madrid and La Liga and other teams and the Bundesliga was making a breakthrough, but you've had two all England finals in the last three. And I think four English teams in there, but they're all kind of flawed. Liverpool would be, Liverpool is going to get by Inter. Maybe that's the pick. Manchester City, I can't pick them again because I pick them every year and they always fall short. Uh, so I'm not doing that. Manchester United have a real shot here, I think. I think they, they, they have a, an opportunity to make a run and then you have Chelsea who are the reigning champs. So it could be another this all England run. Or it could be like the the pandemic Champions League, which was fantastic. Leipzig in the semis. Atalanta was this close to making the semis. Uh, I would love to see it. I'd love to see an Ajax or a 
or uh, you can't really say Salzburg. That is just not going to happen. But maybe, maybe getting that close to a final. Ajax was this close to making a final in that Liverpool Spurs year. So it could go a lot of ways. But we'll hold off maybe until March for a proper a proper pick, Sam. Yeah, so, yeah, because yeah, a lot of these teams are still – it's just transfer window, so, like, they're still getting new players. So it could be a different team by the time it comes around. Okay, Sam, uh, we'll leave it there, but you have two items of homework for when we talk next. One, give me a Champions League pick after the round of 16. And two, try the Delmonico steak at Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> write that down oh there you go so i'm gonna do it too it's like something fun i just couldn't believe what i was hearing longhorn steakhouse (laughs) apparently people love it sam stokes of yank report check it out on youtube it's a great watch check out him on his social media handles really smart great observation as you could easily tell here on our conversation no stoppage time this week as we were going to cover the champions league but i think we were pretty thorough there sam i appreciate your time man this is a a a very satisfying conversation that's why i love doing this and as i've got a little more perspective thanks to our conversation appreciate it max always a good time man good man we'll talk to you very soon as i always say at the end of every show placido domingo 